Welcome back to Bible Love. Today is Thursday, March 17th, which is the Feast of Patrick of Ireland. Hopefully you are wearing something green. Hopefully you've enjoyed some festivities. I'm actually not wearing green because we wore this. We recorded this on uh, Monday, whatever day today is. I should have thought about that. I'm pinching pinching you on the shoulder because you don't have green on. You can pinch me on the other shoulder. Actually, I'm wearing green. I'm wearing green socks. We're good. That's one of the benefits of I wear crazy socks for people who don't know. And so I normally have every color in my socks. Um, mm-hmm. But in Dallas, St. Patrick's Day is a huge thing. There's lots of festivities and parties and they do it upright. So hopefully you all have enjoyed um, whatever festivities in your community and are today enjoying the feast of the real St. Patrick. And so this is his colleague. Let us pray. Almighty God, in your providence, you chose your servant Patrick to be the apostle to the Irish people, to bring those who were wandering in darkness and error to the true light and knowledge of you. Grant us so to walk in that way that we may come at last to the light of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. not think of the last time that we did two weeks in a row of just you and I like (laughs) I hope we can figure this out Um, next week we have um, one of my seminary classmates Jared Howes joining us Um, and I'm so excited about that Jared's one of my favorites Um, but here we go just by ourselves so hopefully this will be okay so today we are specifically talking about um, second Samuel five through 10. And I was trying to prepare and (laughs) Bible project is one of my favorite things. Um, Apparently I sent it to Alan and was like, maybe you could link this. And he goes, "Uh, I already did. So apparently I missed that, but I want to encourage people to go back and um, check out Bible project because they do this great, um, what what is it like characters kind of of um of the overviews and kind of gives you the essential things you need to know um and they may and maybe it started for kids but you know me I love anything that has to do with kids and I think I learn a lot better but so there was a couple of things for specifically five through ten um in reading and also watching the Bible Project um video that kind of stood out to me. So in this first chapter, chapter five, um, David becomes king of Israel and Judah, right? So now we've got one country. They're not divided anymore. And then the other thing is that we are told that David is 30 years old, right? 30. That's yeah, he so, couldn't run for president. Yeah, so young. He couldn't be the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church. I think you have to be 35 or a bishop in general. Um, he, but what's very interesting to me about that is that is the age that we know of when Jesus began his public ministry as well. So sort of like looking, thinking about this comparison of 30 yeah. and 30, but it's also like for me, 
that was 30, it was 14 years ago. Goodness gracious. Um, for you, I think it was 12 years ago, right? So um, it feels something different about 14 and 12. Anyway, I'm showing my, I'm showing my age. But that is pretty young to be like leading such um, a significant part of God's kingdom, right? So I just thought we could kind of banter about that for a few minutes because that's that's fairly young. And that's a good thing, though, right, that we can give leadership to people that are younger and we need to yeah. do more of that. And I think about that like in seminary, right? Like so when I was 30, I was – running an office for a company, not wasn't mm-hmm. running a company, but I was leading an office. And so like I went to seminary and I had some experience like running an operation. But when mm-hmm. I came out of seminary, I was 36, 37. I don't remember. It was too long ago, but I had friends who uh, came out of seminary and their first position was a rector. And these are friends, either my age or even younger. I had that. Um, with different levels of experience, yeah. some people had run things and some hadn't. And I remember thinking, so in the Diocese of Texas, we have a curacy program. And a curacy program is kind of a formal apprenticeship. And so I went and I served as an associate for two years under um, Beth Fain, who's the curate whisperer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm incredibly thankful, right? Like I, the office I ran right? The finances were bigger and more complicated than probably any parish I'll ever lead. There's a whole deal, but there's something different about helping to lead God's people than what. And so like, I felt totally ill-prepared coming out of seminary. Like if I would have been a rector, I'm a rector now and I don't know what I'm doing, mm-hmm. but if I would have been a rector back then, right? Like what, what does it yeah. say about life experience? What do we expect from our leaders that Seminary certainly doesn't teach you. So what is it about life experience? David had been through a lot, obviously. What does his life experience, how does that shape um, how he's going to be a leader? Or some of it is just if God taps someone, then that person's got to figure it out. Right. Yeah, I had the opposite experience. I went um, to be the rector of a very small congregation. There was no staff or anything. But I guess I was kind of a curate because I had my dad and I remember calling him like every minute, like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Um, And but I do think that your point is very valid that um, and I think we've talked about this before. um, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called, you know, that. Um, we need to look to people with that are younger with wisdom that God has called. Right. And so God certainly felt that David was the one and we need to look to David as, at scripture. And so, you know, maybe next time when people are like, Ooh, that person's awfully young, we can be like, look, God called David at 30, you know, to lead. And not only did he call him at 30, he led for what, 40, for 40 years, yeah. he was the king. I mean, that's a super long time. Um, and for these countries that were in these regions that were really, you know, in unrest. And although David's reign was not perfect by any means, I'm sure there was something um, to be said about having this 40 years of sort of the same leadership, the same identity in that. I don't know. I think there's stability. And then you think about like in our tradition, um, not very many rectors stay somewhere more than 10 years. Right. Like I think, the average, I heard one time, don't quote me on this, but the average 
pastor it's like seven years or something um like my two predecessors here were five years each around there um the first rector was here for uh, a long time frank he's still here he's wonderful um and so this place has known a long pastor at this place has known shorter ones Beth Fane was at St. Mary's for 25 years. There's something that can be built and grown and nurtured when the same person is helping to lead um, God's people. Mm-hmm. It's just the depths. I mean, when you're baptizing the kids of people you baptized. Yeah, like right. There's some, right. There's something about that. That's got to be um, special. I've never gotten yeah. to do that. Um, We're not old enough, though. <laughs> That's why. Some days I feel like it. Um, <laughs> But what does that say? You know, other places, you know, other traditions, right? They move you around every three or four years because fresh ideas, fresh energy, whatever. Did these folks get tired of David? I'm sure. Yeah. And so part of that is like you have to learn to live with each other. Yeah. yeah. And you have to learn. So the people, the people um, had to learn to put up with David and all of his flaws. David had to learn how to... Yeah you know, continually re-energize himself, right? If you yeah. do the same thing day after day. So David probably, that's why he probably used his energy in some bad ways. But like, how do you keep up that encouragement and that energy yeah. when you're doing the same thing? And there was this one particular group. We're still in chapter five, verse 17, that really, was not very um, accepting of David, the Philistines. And um, they wanted to capture him when they found out about this. They wanted to attack him. Um, And David does try to kind of go and sort of say, it's okay, we're going to all try to be one. But there are some, you know, attacks and murders, I assume, that happen in that. So, I mean, I think that's always in leadership. Hopefully there's not attacks and murders. But there's always people that... (laughs) Um, you know, are not satisfied with the leadership that's been chosen, right? But we also have, there has to be some element of faith in that, um, that God is put, trying to put the right people in the right place at the right time. Um, so, um, you know, hopefully some healing happened in that as well as it does in, in you know, in our, our lives. Um, so then we go in to chapter six and, this covenant box is brought to Jerusalem. So um, David gets all the soldiers, and that's a total of 30,000 of them, and then leads them into Judah and brings this covenant, God's covenant box. Sort of, this is the name of the Lord Almighty. This is showing that I am here as your king. Maybe like a tangible sign is what I'm kind of thinking. Um, and so I didn't know if you had any kind of thoughts on that, but it was, it seemed important and we still kind of continue to do that today, right? We have these tangible signs, whether it's the cross or the altar or, you know, us wearing our collars, which we never do, you know, that, that kind of stuff, those signs mean something to people, right? Yeah. And I think, I mean, we have things that we even call tabernacles, which is kind of a similar deal. And that's where you keep you know, the presence of Christ. Um, and then we other, we also have th- symbols in which we follow, like literally, you know, we have the processional cross and it leads us on the way. And so all of that, I think, is echoes of 
of this and like the presence of God leading people, right? Of course, it harkens back to them trying to find the promised land and being led by God through, you know, smoke and sun and all that. And it's how do we continue to have the presence of God with us? Maybe not tangibly, um, but at least in memory, at least spiritual hearts in our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And that's the thing, right? Like the Holy spirit. Right. So God was present among us for three years, 33 years, sorry. Um, and the person of Jesus. And when Jesus went away, he said, I'm going away, but I'm sending someone to help you. And so God's present is still, and we believe in baptism. God's present isn't just in our hearts because like we said something or we feel something like we actually believe in baptism. The Holy Spirit indwells in us. So the presence of God is always with us. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, a little bit of a tangent, but my Lenten series at Church of the Resurrection this year is um, rediscovering our baptismal covenant because I feel like we say these words, right? When we baptize someone or, you know, on All Saints Day or Jesus' baptism, baptism, but like, what is it? that we're really saying, like, are, do we really believe in God? Do we really believe in Jesus Christ? Do we really believe in the Holy spirit? And then those sort of five other questions that are under there, you know, the dignity of every human being um, participating in the breaking of the bread and the Eucharist. So last week was participating in church and being there and, and involved in that. And so I gave them, I, I like broke the service up into all these different parts And I made them put it all together. And it was really interesting how hard it was for some people, right? Because even you do it every week and you know it like it's in your heart. But when you're like tasked to actually lay it all out, somebody was like, I don't know where the collect for purity goes. I don't know where the offertory, you know, so it was just really interesting and a little bit challenging. I think Um, not only are we making these promises, but we promise to like participate in it. We promise to be a part of this. And I wonder that's maybe a good way to kind of move us into. So the chapter seven, there's other people that are part of David's life, right? And so they are participating in David's kingship. And the first one that we kind of hear of in this section is Nathan. So Nathan has this. So I'm in chapter seven. Um, Nathan, my, Heading says Nathan's message to David. So King David is kind of getting settled in. He's trying to figure all this out. And then um, this prophet Nathan comes to him, right? And Nathan is giving him some guidance. Like, you know, do what you have in mind because the Lord is with you. Right. And so even Kings, even rectors, even bishops, like, even people in leadership, we need these folks in our lives to kind of feed into us, but also to make us aware that bad things are going to happen. And maybe that kind of goes back to where we were talking about my dad and Beth, like, thank goodness for people like that who have mentored us through that. What do you think? Yeah, I think, um, and people that will be honest with you. And- All right. You know, David had that in his life because it's one thing to have a bunch of folks who just pat you on the shoulder and support every decision you have. But like when, so we have vestries, right? And vestries are kind of a, you know, they're the governing body of the church. They're also kind of a council of advice for, for rectors. We're in mutual ministry together. And 
I want the vestry when I have some idea, I want them to poke holes in it. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to just say, Oh yeah, you're the guy we pay to be Christian. And so go do it. Um, I want them to point out things that I can't see, point out our blind spots and for people to be on and, and people to come, right? Like this whole thing with Jonathan, I mean, with Nathan, right? God gives Nathan a message to, to give to David. That's pretty important about like yeah. building something. And folks who support us in leadership hear from God about things that we should do. Right. Um, so whether it's vestry, whether it's a friend, whether it's a mentor, hears from God, comes and says, hey, Alan, I think you ought to try this or ought to think about that. I mean, yeah. that's absolutely a way that God speaks to me. Well, I totally agree. And also, Nathan brings this sense of security, too, to David. So in the end, he says... When you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will make one of your sons king, will keep his kingdom strong. He'll be the one to build a temple for me, and I will make sure that the dynasty continues forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him as a father punishes his son. But I will not withdraw my support from him as I did for Saul, whom I removed so that you could be king. You will always have descendants, and I will make your kingdom last forever. Ever, Your dynasty will never end. Nathan told David everything that God had revealed to him. So there's also this, like, this is the dynasty now, right? Which we know the end of the story, right? Jesus comes from this dynasty. We, know, But there's this sense of security, which is also pretty awesome. You know, there's somebody saying, I got you. And I'm being a messenger of God right now and telling you all of these things. Yeah. It makes me think, you know, this past Sunday, our um, first reading was Abraham, part of mm-hmm. the Abraham and God's covenant, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. this is, this right here is part of David and God's covenant. And I think back to Abraham, Abraham, he had all the excuses in the world. He was like, God, you told me something, but I still don't have any kids. Like this is junk. And God's like, go outside, look up. You can't count all that. Yeah. Your descendants, your dynasty is going to be bigger than all this stuff that you can see and can't count. And here is the reassurance because David, I'm sure, struggled um, to think, can God really do this? Or more importantly, can I really do this? And so Nathan is put in a position to basically tell him, like, go count the stars. Right. God can do more than all of that. I love and that. Here it's the line, right? Like your ancestors are going to, like your so, dynasty is going to continue. Yeah. Someone's going to come from this dynasty. Um, and the David importance didn't know of it would this, be Jesus, but. Right. And the importance of this covenant, don't you think? Like God has done this over and over and over and over again. And that security and that we are in covenant, we are in relationship with God. And that and this, doesn't I was end. actually, I was thinking about covenants. Um, cause like around here, you know, Bible churches, mega churches, whatever they talk, they have membership covenants, which I actually mm-hmm. kind of love. There's parts mm-hmm. of it, but like, let's think about covenants, right? Like we can never actually live up to our end of God's covenant. <laughs> right. right. And kind of despite that God is giving us more than we could ever 
want. So it's not like, you know, I tend to think a covenant's like a contract, like a legal agreement. I'm going to do this. You're going to do this. I'm going to do that. You're going to do that for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Like God's yeah. covenant doesn't really, God has expectations. God called Abraham to do things. God called David to do things, all of that. I think God knew that those guys were going to screw up. Yeah. And I think God knew that God was going to do what God could and would do. So it's not like that. a really fair covenant because God continues to love us because he knows we're human and we're going to make mess up. Well, it's a covenant in which God seems to get the short end of the stick. Exactly. That's what I'm yeah. saying. It's not a fair covenant because we're going to, we're going to break it over and yeah. over. But what I do like that David does as we continue in this still in chapter seven is David immediately goes into this prayer of Thanksgiving. And I really appreciate David showing that in his leadership as well, because we too often forget, okay, we're, God help me with this. God help me with this. God help me with this. But we also need to say, God, thank you for this. God, thank you for that. And that is exactly what David does really for, I don't know, a bunch of verses, like 10 verses. He just like goes into this, God, I am here. I am doing what you ask, and I'm so grateful that you've given this to me. And um, we've talked about this before, but David is a, is a wonderful writer and, a, and you know, someone to look to in that. And so I really, he ends it with saying, and now, Sovereign Lord, you are God. You always keep your promises. You, uh, you have made this wonderful promise to me. I ask you to bless my descendants so that they will continue to enjoy your favor. You, Sovereign Lord, have promised this, and your blessing will rest on my descendants forever. So not only did God give him this gift, but then David thanks him for that gift. And that is so incredibly important to do. It makes me think, you know, gratitude. We, uh, it comes up, maybe not as much as it should in the church, but like the Episcopal Church has the United Thank Offering. Mm -hmm. Like their whole deal is gratitude, right? They have stewardship curricula about gratitude. They do all this because like our response to God is not like we can't hold up our end of the bargain full stop. And so we need to respond to God in thankfulness and in gratitude. And I think about that, like the way a grateful heart should impact our stewardship should impact the way our relationships with others. Like I think too often in our human relationships, I I'll use an I statement. Um, I focus on the hard things, mm-hmm. right? Like the times I've been hurt or feeling bad about the times I've hurt people rather or not rather than, but then I, I dwell on that too much. And so I sometimes can't see the, the things for which I'm thankful yeah. Like in the midst of hard conversations or in the midst of hard times. Like I don't see that here's someone who loves me. Here's someone who cares about me, whatever it is. And so that's what David, right? Like David is kind of leading and we'll see it in the Psalms. There's plenty of David wrestling with that. He's a terrible person or that God is angry. And there's a lot of that, but there's also the Psalms of, of thankfulness. Thank God you're better than I could imagine. I think that, I think that is a very, very valid point because sometimes we're like our own worst enemies, right? I was telling Alan something I thought I had mispronounced. Y'all all know I have a pronunciation problem. See, I can't even say pronunciation. A pronunciation problem. And Alan was like, stop it. Stop beating yourself up about it, right? So 
That's a, thank you for that. Great. I'm grateful for that today. And I, I can understand in a world that is really broken. Um, and that we like, you know, with all that's going on in Ukraine and you know, all that just breaks our heart. And I'm not saying don't be praying for those precious, precious people because we need to be. Um, but I also am grateful for the sunshine. I'm grateful for an hour every week with Alan. I'm, you know, those are things instead of, you know, Alan, you really hurt me today. Let me, let me talk about that. I mean, which he didn't, but you know what I mean? Like we get focused on that negativity. And I think that praise of Thanksgiving is so important to really live into who we are as children of God, because if not, we're just going to get to be sourpusses all the time. And I don't think God that wants that from us. I really don't. And it's hard to kind of go there now because eight, nine and 10 are all about wars. Right. So we continue to like, it's, it's, it is hard. You know, I, I, I struggle with this because I am that half gospel person. And I, sometimes when I read stuff like this, I'm like, there's this prayer of Thanksgiving. Yes. That's what I've been looking for the entire time I'm reading. And then we go back into these military victories and, you know, defeating these folks and stuff. And I understand that that's part of this, but maybe that's what God's little gift to me was in the middle was the prayers of thanksgivings. But it's, I mean, that's what eight, nine and 10 are all about our war and military defeats. Um, just to sum it up. Um, and I mean, we could go through that and, um, be a little bit more detailed, but you know, then next week we're going to get into David and Bathsheba. I'm glad we're going to have Jared here to help us with that. (laughs) So I'm going to look for the gratefulness today, Alan, you helped me with that. One of those is always you very grateful for you, but it's really a pretty day today. Really thankful for that and thankful for God's blessings. What about you? What are you going to be grateful for today? Uh, not the weather. It's kind of gloomy outside. Yeah, you're going to have a hailstorm this afternoon. It might hail. Apparently, my mom said, you know, moms are always right. Uh, we'll see. Um, I'm, what am I grateful for? It's spring break. And so I'm grateful that my boys have a week off of school, that our routine has changed up just for some differences there. Um, they get to go fishing and hang out with some friends and some family. And so that'll be good. And, I get to go out of town maybe and get some time away to think and pray and write and hang out. Good. I like it. All right, listeners, we encourage you to be grateful today. Learn from David Um, in his, uh, in his mistakes, in his humanness, but also in, in the joys and the things that he brings to us, because there is a lot there. Um, as you walk this Lenten season, know we're thinking of you. Um, we hope you are enjoying our trek through Second Samuel. And as always, remember we love you, but most importantly, God does.